I want to pick up where we left off and close out Colossians, the letter that Paul wrote to Colossa, and it's kind of like the, the final uh, note that he, he writes, but let's get some clarification on it real quick. Uh, I'm picking up in verse 2, we left off. He, he, I, I, I came back, and in the parking lot, somebody said, hey, we're still processing last Sunday's message. And I'm like going, I almost forgot what last Sunday's message was because so much has happened this week. But then someone else said that when I two this morning, it's like we're still processing last Sunday's message. And the message was uh, last week about children and parents and husband and wife and employees and employers. And uh, if you didn't listen to it, if you haven't had a chance to listen to it, uh, I'll make sure it's up. I know it's on the app, but um, the YouTube got uploaded during the week and I'll I'll get access to it uh, to you this week. But this is where Paul kind of leaves off. He finishes those relationships. And in verse 2, he says, Devote yourselves to prayer. Stay alert in it with thanksgiving. He's like, number one, you just need to continue praying. Now, I'm old school. I don't care about tattoos. Uh, But my daughter got a tattoo. And I couldn't, I couldn't really argue with her. Uh, th- this is the, the tattoo when she got it. Because, uh, that's my mother's handwriting. She even uh, dotted the N instead of the I. <laughs> Uh, but she sent Chloe a note, and Chloe, it meant a lot to her. So she's, that's permanent. Just a reminder, he says, devote yourselves to prayer, stay alert in it with thanksgiving. So as Paul and Granny urge us to continue in, in prayer, continue to do something with just this intense effort. Now, I, I grew up thinking that, you know, that meant kneeling behind my beside my bed and on my knees and going through a list and everything else. Uh, but I, I've learned that just like even sitting on a bus, Lord, take us home safely. Lord, pray for these kids that are throwing up on the bus. and Yeah, all that. You know, it's fun stuff. But my, co- my conversation with them is, not, is nonstop. And it's not me kneeling. It's not my list. It's just me having a conversation with them, uh, I think somebody, you know, in the last week or so, had it, a young man asked, how do you have a conversation with a girl? And it's like, just like you are right now. And it's the same, it's the same thing. It's like, just have a conversation with God. I talk to God all day long. That's literally what Paul's just saying. He, he's teaching us how to respond to last week's message about the, our spouses, our children, our employees, our families, all those things. And the next thing he says is devote yourselves to prayer. He knows the importance of prayer. Ephesians 6.18 says, pray at all times in the spirit with every prayer and request. We're getting to Ephesians next after Colossians. And stay alert with this, with all perseverance and intercession for all the saints. Like, like pray for this community. Pray. Spend time. Praying for others. It just multiplies our defense and our offense. Like, I, I don't have to post anything this week. I just have to pray. 
I just have to have a conversation with God. God, I know you're in this. And one of the things that we really spoke to the students about was being in this community and how the world wants you to focus on just yourself. And that's that's not what Jesus' plan was. Jesus... Jesus said, I am the way, but the reason he's the way is because he was providing a way for everybody else. He, he did this for you, that we have to be others focused. And the other thing Paul's like saying, stay alert, stay alert. <laughs> it makes me go, why do we close our eyes when we pray? Who taught us to close our eyes? You know, it's like, he's like, say, stay alert. You'll see me up here praying. I'll look at you when I'm praying. I'm okay with that. It's not some sacred thing. It's just the way you were taught when you grew up. You know, kids kids pray all the time when they're taking tests and stuff. I know that. So, uh. And then there's, the, there's an attitude about prayer. Stay alert in it with thanksgiving. Thanksgiving's not an annual event. It's just a conversation with God. God, I'm thankful. I'm thankful for, one, being able to sit here right here right now and be able to talk about Jesus with my friends. I'm thankful. And then verse 3 says, At the same time, pray also for us that God may open a door to us for the word to speak the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. He's, he's like, okay, if you're going to pray, let, let's pray with a purpose. Okay, uh, so he's saying continue in prayer, stay alert, do it with an attitude of thanksgiving, and pray with a purpose. And he says us, he's literally talking about himself and Timothy. Paul, pray, for, pray for me and Timothy as we deliver this message that we get the opportunity to do it, not only with the guards that we're chained to, but the people that come to our house so that Timothy gets to go out and share with, and all my brothers and sisters that are sharing the same, pray that we get the opportunity to go out and share this message. The message that Paul is talking about is in total contrast of what's being shared with the society at the time because they're being taught this Jewish legalism. And he's like saying, you, Jesus came that you could be set free, that you could live in grace, that you could... That, and, and that's the message that they're trying to get, and it's being saturated by law. It's not much different today. It's really not. Like... You here with this message are a light to the rest of the world, and I'm talking about churches too. That mystery that he's talking about in reference to the Gentiles receiving salvation and being included with the Jews, it's available to everyone, not just the Jews. It's available. He says, verse 4, for which I'm in change so that I may make it known as I should. The Jews listened to Paul till he spoke the word Gentiles. As soon as he said the word Gentiles in Acts 22, verse 21, they shut him out. No longer are we going to listen to Paul. In fact, we're going to throw him into prison. We want him to be killed because we don't want that message to get out that it's for the Gentiles as well. But Paul's sitting there going, I need you to pray because there is spiritual warfare that's going on right now. And... And the evil one doesn't want this message to get out. 
So you pray for us that the Lord would give us opportunities to teach grace to people. The extremes of the the legalistic party wanted the Gentiles to become Jews ceremonially. Like they, they wanted them circumcised. They wanted them to be a part of their thing, not what Paul was teaching. Paul was just asking for an opportunity to, be, to do the very thing that got him put in prison. I got in prison for talking to the Gentiles, but I still want the opportunity to teach the Gentiles. It's just the way he was. As a pastor, I, I ask you to continually pray for me and the opportunities to share the truth. I'm praying for the opportunities for you to share the truth. When everybody thought that I was just going to like do this leavener thing and it was going to be crisis intervention, they're like, well, that's good for you. But my whole deal was, like, if I can teach more people about their identity in Christ and who they are, then all of a sudden all these people are doing crisis intervention, which is Jesus. It's Jesus. I told the kids... I told the kids, somebody asked me, uh, in, in that mental health meeting that you went to, what did you say to them publicly? I said, I didn't say anything to them. I just sat there and prayed and kept my mouth shut. Because why? Because they don't want anything spiritual to come into mental health and the physical part of it. How can we, how can we solve mental health physically? And uh, we don't want to hear anything from the spiritual people. We'll call the spiritual people when we're in crisis. We'll call the spiritual people when there's a death. That's when we want them. But right now, it's all physical and emotional. But let's put aside the spiritual side. That's messed up. That is messed up. You, 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 Maddie went around and asked people in the cities like are you do you consider yourself a spiritual person six out of seven said yes and then you asked the one that said no and she said do you believe in heaven and they said yes now would you consider yourself a spiritual person no <laughs> but they believe in heaven so it's like almost anytime somebody has somebody die that's close where do you want them to be <laughs> everybody wants them to be in heaven don't tell me that we're not spiritual people. Don't tell me that we can't talk about spiritual things in government. Don't tell me that we can't talk about spiritual things in our society. And this is literally what Paul's saying. He's like, just pray that we get the opportunity to say what we know and what we believe. He says, verse 5, act wisely toward outsiders, making the most of the time. So act, live, walk behave all those things that the jews talk about he's literally saying let this come out i i say this i say the same thing but it comes out as a as a, a product of you knowing your identity I, I i don't have to tell you to live and to act and to behave a certain way just know your identity and if you know your identity in christ it's naturally going to be a byproduct of you knowing who you are in christ that's it i don't have to do behavior modification here from the stage. That's crazy because it doesn't work. Trust me, I tried. And then he says, act wisely. 
Well, now we're talking about wisdom. Where does wisdom come from? Proverbs 2.6 says this, For the Lord gives wisdom. If you want wisdom, ask the Lord for wisdom. That's different than knowledge. You can be as smart and as factual as anybody in the world, but wisdom is a different thing. It's taking what you know and using it in a situation in a godly way. So where does wisdom come from? It comes from God. Hang out with the Lord, and he will give you wisdom, I promise. This is literally how you know who walks closely with the Lord. Like the people that have great wisdom, they're typically walking with the Lord. And he's talking about outsiders. He's talking about the non-believers, those that don't believe the same thing that we do. And he says, making the most of time. He's like, making the most of time. Don't miss opportunities. We have to see the opportunities that are around us. Create opportunities, build relationships. And, and most of all, don't burn bridges. <laughs> I, I, I hang out with gooberish people because I am a goober. And people go, why do, why do you give them so much grace? Why do you give them so much grace? Well, one, uh, because I've been giving grace. So much grace. But two, there, there's no reason for me to burn any bridges. Because I have no idea what God's going to do in the future. So don't burn any bridges. Make the most of the time. Verse 6, it says, let your speech always be gracious. (laughs) He says, make the most of your time and let your speech always be gracious. Seasoned with salt that you may know how you should answer each person. We have the the same volunteers at Camp Zion every year that work in the kitchen. Because one, they love our students. Our students are show grace to them. But there's this one man that I've developed a relationship. His name is Coach Gary. He used to coach uh, high school baseball. Imagine that. Big, tall Gary. And Gary's out like, he's out at the the grill flipping burgers and stuff for our lunch. And I walk over there to have a conversation with Gary. And I'm like, what are you seasoning those burgers with? And he had the Montreal steak seasoning. I'm like, that's good. Be generous with that seasoning, please. Make those burgers taste good. Because you know they're the frozen patties that you get. But, but th- th- this, is, this is literally what Paul's saying is, let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt. Like, you guys, this, this is the greatest message in the whole world right here. And if you want to pound it home on Facebook... Really? He's like, season it with salt. Make it so it, they want it. That they want it. Tell, tell them how good it is. LJ, tell them how good it is. Season that message with salt. Paul's saying, even when you're provoked, which many of you were provoked this week, 
You should always show grace. If you can't, probably should shut your mouth. <laughs> Amen. Uh, let me tell you, a good burger is always seasoned properly. What you've been given is the meat, the good news. You, you're the ones that make it attractive or unattractive. Speak the right word at the right time. And your discernment, it comes from the spirit that lives within you. And then he gets into the final greetings. And I know this is kind of the technical side of things, but it's really kind of cool if you, if you dig deep here. And we'll, we'll kind of fly through this. But he says, To Caicus, our dearly loved brother, faithful minister and fellow servant in the Lord, will tell you all the news about me. Tychicus was Paul's Asian companion in the ministry, and he's the one that carried this letter to Colossa, and he was the one that was going to tell the church at Colossa, here's how Paul's really done. I've been hanging out with Paul, and he's struggling here, and he's struggling here, but he's doing really, really good here. It's just like the whole LJ coming up here and talking about camp. I could brought 20 more students up here to talk about camp. Then verse 8, he says, I have sent him to you for this very person purpose so that you may know how we are and so that he may encourage your hearts he's coming with Onesimus a faithful and dearly loved brother who is one of you they will tell you about everything here now Onesimus we talked about this a few weeks ago but this was the slave that ran away from Philemon and kind of did Philemon wrong and wasn't a believer at the time but now Onesimus comes and hangs out with Paul for a period of time. Well, what do you think Paul does? He preaches. He, tell, he tells Onesimus all about Jesus, and Onesimus comes to know Jesus as his Lord and Savior. And this runaway slave of Philemon, who has received salvation, has now become a great servant and encourager to Paul. Just in this short amount of time of the Spirit coming within Onesimus and changing him, he once was viewed as a betrayer, and now he's viewed as a brother in Jesus. And so Paul has totally changed his mind about Onesimus. I don't know if Philemon thinks that way, which is why Paul writes the letter to Philemon that we'll get to. And in verse 10 he says, Aristarchus, my fellow prisoner, he's here with me, sends you greetings. As does Mark, Barnabas's cousin, concerning whom you have received instructions. If he comes to you, welcome him. Hmm. So he puts this, if Mark comes to you, make sure that you welcome him. Well, why does he have to attach that to Mark? Because at one time, Paul was pretty hacked off at Mark. You remember why? Because on one of the missionary journeys 12 years previous... Paul and Barnabas went out together and John Mark went with them. And John Mark's like, I ain't doing this anymore. This is too tough. I'm bailing. I'm out. So in Paul's eyes, Mark couldn't cut it. He's like, he's no good to us. If you, if you want Mark to hang out with us, then Mark, Mark you, you need to go with Barnabas. And they literally split up at that point. So in Paul's mind, there's, much, there's not much to Mark. But now he's like saying, Mark, Barnabas' cousin, concerning him who received instruction, if he comes to you, welcome him. Well, wait, something's changed here, right? 
right? In the last 12 years, Paul's opinion of Mark has changed. Mark, the Mark that we're talking about is the same Mark that wrote the second gospel. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, that's the same guy that we're talking about. And so now Paul's changed his opinion because he's also in a prisoner at Rome, or Aristarchus is a prisoner at Rome. Mark's the cousin. So now all of a sudden they've developed this relationship and Mark is like totally on board with Paul's message and everything else. And now they're friends and they've made up and his relationship with Paul has been restored, obviously. And he's fully engaged in the Lord's work. And just hanging out with people and fellowshipping with them. Mark is no longer a liability to Paul. And he says, I I want you to welcome him. He's fully committed. He's a co-laborer of us in Christ. Mark is forgiven by Paul. (laughs) You guys... Even though we're goobers and we do goobers things, it's not that we need to write them off. You have no idea what God's going to do years later. And they can be some of the most impactful people in ministry. As a pastor, uh, I have pastor friends. And we can all blow it. You watch in public as many of them do blow it. But they still love Jesus. Most of them. Most of them. But they get written off in our society. You get written off in our society. I make one bad move that becomes public... I'll be written off in society. It's really, it's really the reason I came uh, and and hung out here. The, the fear that I might blow it publicly someday. All right, is it? Is, I want to be around people that aren't going to boot me out, send me away. I may not be up here teaching, but I want, I want people loving me, hanging out with me, even if I blow it. And it's really what Paul is saying about Mark. It's okay, guys. Welcome him. Take him in. And verse 11 it says, And so does Jesus, who is called Justice. Not Jesus, but a man named Justice. Justice called Jesus. It was a common name among the Jews, the fellow Jews. And he says, These alone of the circumcised, that being those who were Jewish or came along into the faith are my co-workers for the kingdom of God and they've been a comfort to me. Epaphras, who is one of you, a servant of Christ Jesus, sends you greetings. He is always wrestling for you in his prayers. That, that says a lot. He's always wrestling for you in his prayers so that you can stand mature and fully assured in everything God wills. For I testify about him that he works hard for you. For those in Laodicea and for those in Heropolis. So Epaphras, he's generally accepted that he was the pastor of the church in Colossae. If this is the one that they all know, he's, he's pastoring these people. 
And Paul identifies him as one of you. He's writing to the church at Colossae. He's also planted other church in Laodicea and other places. His heart, Paul's heart, is warm towards his friends back in Colossae. And he wants them to know that they're being prayed for. And then verse 14 says, uh, Luke, the dearly loved physician, and Demas send you greetings. Luke is the one that usually records Paul's letters for him. And he's more kind of the detailed, time-oriented guy. But Demas, he's only mentioned three times in the scripture. Watch this. In Paul's letters, these three references, it's kind of a sad story. He's called Demas, my fellow laborer, is linked with three good men, Mark, Aristarchus, and Luke, in Philemon chapter, or verse 24. He's related to those three. He's mentioned there in the letter to Philemon, which we'll get to here in a few weeks. Then he's simply called Demas, and there's no special word or identification or even commendation in Colossians chapter 4, verse 14 right here. But the third reference, the third reference of Demas, what became of Demas in Second Timothy chapter 4, it says, For Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world. So Demas was a, a dude that was like totally focused on God's word and his the presence. But then he chased his flesh and chased the world. And you guys, uh, they added, they added <laughs> this piece to my Leavener database where I can actually archive people in my database. I think I told somebody this the other day. And so right before camp, I realized I had over a thousand people that have in the da- in my database that have come here in the last whatever we started in 2007 over a thousand people and I archived over 500 people some of them you know moved away went to other churches I get it it's all that stuff some were just here as guests or, or, or whatever but there's a lot that are chasing their flesh they just kind of walked away from this whole thing and it was painful it was painful to go through that and that's literally what Paul's saying here about Demas, man. He's just kind of like walked away. His, his sin that he he loved this present world. And you say the present world, you're talking about this whole system that we're going through. He said, verse 15, Give my greetings to the brothers and sisters in Laodicea, to Leo, Laodicea and to Nympha and the church in her home. We know nothing about Nympha here other than her name except that she had some church meeting in her house that's all we know verse 16 after this letter has been read at your gathering have it also in the church of laodiceans and see that you read the letter in for a letter from laodicea just the it's a public reading of the scripture it wasn't referred to as scripture it was referred to as a letter back then and tell archippus pay attention to the ministry you have received in the lord so that you can accomplish it archippus was a member of the church in Colossa. Some think he was the son of Philemon and Aphia, uh, but we can't prove that. And then the last thing he says, I, Paul, am writing this greeting with my own hand. Uh, 
remember my chains. Grace be with you. He's literally saying, it is all worth it. It's all worth it. Salvation in everyday living, it is all worth it. I tried. I tried to communicate to your students. Our leaders tried to communicate to your students that it was all worth it. We created some strong memories. We created some strong relationships. And we were able to like talk about Jesus the whole week. I'm going to end with showing you what it was like. Uh, my daughter did that video all week long. She's, she's great at capturing the moments. And, uh, but there's no way we could do all that without my leaders. You think it's about me. It's not. It's like they all, they all did their part. They all did different things. And I can't even begin to list. Uh, we took 27 adults with us for 31 students to make that happen. But every one of them was important. Every one of them was important. Every one of them spent time with your kids every day. And that was the main thing. Yeah, memories were created for a lifetime. And, but I'm thankful for my leaders. Uh, just thankful for your investment. So, and thank you financially. Obviously, it's a big, big deal. Financially, you guys have supported this ministry and everything else. Your prayers, your packages, your letters, your love. It's all part of it. So, Lord, I thank you for this community. Thank you for each person, each heart, each letter that was written, each cookie that was made, each candy that was received. Just the time, every minute that was put into this week so that these students could know you better. And to know that you're Lord. And to know that you are life for them. Your life. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.